brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. When the news that Cardinal Pell had died came out just a couple of days ago, the Catholic world, at least among you know the more traditionalist and traditional-leaning Catholics, Catholic world was taken aback so soon after the passing of Pope Benedict XVI. I have seen some people openly asking, are we losing all the decent ones now? Are we losing the ones who defend the faith? I've seen some people openly ask if this isn't what it seems, that something else happened, that this was done to him, not that it was a natural consequence of a surgery gone wrong, which is what happened here. At least that's the official story. And I don't have any reason to believe that the official story is not true here. He was receiving hip replacement surgery. It didn't go well. There was a complication. If you know anything about that surgery, you know how that can happen. You can understand how that can happen. But I also understand why people think something foul may have happened. And quite frankly, we are in that period. We are in one of those periods of of history where anything that happens, people are going to be naturally suspicious and. Frankly, I'm one of those. I'm at that place in life now where any negative news out of Rome that comes to light doesn't surprise me anymore. I, we've reached that. We long since passed that point where I am capable of being surprised by something bad or evil that is reported. I'm not going to really speculate on Cardinal Pell and what happened. Um, I would ask that you pray for the repose of his soul. Even if you actually believe all the evil things that they tried to say about him, none of which were true, and the Australian High Court laughed it out of their <laughs> laughed at the charges against him out of court when presented to him, they obviously saw what was going on and they threw the whole case out. Even if you though believe that story and you are a Catholic, you have a duty to pray for the repose of his soul. Pray that he had the grace of final repentance. Pray that he received the sacraments before he went under the, before he went for the procedure, which he probably did. The man was 81 years old, and most 81-year-old Catholics that I've met insist on receiving the sacraments before they have any kind of surgery. I would assume that he received viaticum and the rest as a standard procedure before receive, going for that procedure. So anyway, pray for the repose of his soul, regardless of what you think of him. And today, I have for you some news I broke about him. The day before his procedure, he had written a document on, well, it was a final warning, really, for the laity. It was a warning to you and me and to the rest of us about the state of the church and what's going on here and how, what, how the synod on synodality needs to be stopped, how the whole thing is... He used the word toxic to describe it. I think it's a toxic attempt to change the faith. And I'm going to read it verbatim for you because it is his final statement to the, to the public, his final words to the public, and it deserves to be read pretty much verbatim. He does, in, the, in places, use some words that I can't use here on this platform. So we'll use some synonyms. You'll clearly understand what I'm talking about if you've been watching my videos for any real length of time. So... Let's dive into the document. The Catholic Church must free itself from this toxic nightmare by Cardinal George Pell. This was published in The Spectator on the 11th of January, 
just that like the day after his death was announced. The Catholic Synod of Bishops is now busy constructing what they think of as God's dream of synodality. Unfortunately, this divine dream has developed into a toxic nightmare despite the bishops' professed good intentions. They have produced a 45-page booklet which presents its account of the discussions of the first stage of listening and discernment held in many parts of the world, and it's one of the most incoherent documents ever sent out from Rome. While we thank God that Catholic numbers around the globe, especially in Africa and Asia, are increasing, the picture is radically different in Latin America, with losses to Protestants as well as the secularists. With no sense of irony, the document is entitled, Enlarge the Space of Your Tent, and the aim of doing so is to accommodate, not the newly baptized, those who have answered the call to repent and believe, but anyone who might be interested enough to listen. Participants are urged to be welcoming and radically inclusive. No one is excluded. The document does not urge even the Catholic participants to make disciples of all nations. See Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Much less to preach the Savior in season and out of season. See 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. The first task for everyone, and especially the teachers, is to listen in the Spirit. According to this recent update of the Good News, synodality as a way of being for the church is not to be defined but just to be lived it revolves around five creative tensions starting from radical inclusion and moving towards mission in a participatory style practicing co-responsibility with other believers and peoples of goodwill difficulties are in knowledge such as war uh, bad things and the gap between clergy and lady but all can be sustained say the bishops by living spiritually the image of the church as an expanding tent with the Lord at its center comes from Isaiah, and the point of it is to emphasize that this expanding tent is a place where people are heard and not judged, not excluded. So we read that the people of God need new strategies, not quarrels and clashes, but dialogue, where the distinction between believers and unbelievers is rejected. The people of God must actually listen, it insists, to the cry of the poor and of the earth. Because of differences of opinion on the Moloch ritual, on artificial barriers to being fruitful and multiplying, the ordination of women to the priesthood, and the and James Martin activities, some felt that no definitive positions on these issues can be established or proposed. This is also true of multi-partner unions and divorce and remarriage. However, the document is clear on the special problem of the inferior position of women and the dangers of clericalism although the positive contribution of many priests is acknowledged. What is one to make of this potpourri, this outpouring of New Age goodwill? It is not a summary of Catholic faith or New Testament teaching. It is incomplete, hostile in significant ways to the apostolic tradition, and nowhere acknowledges the New Testament as the Word of God, normative for all teaching on faith and morals. The Old Testament is ignored, patriarchy rejected, and the Mosaic Law, including the Ten Commandments, is not acknowledged. Two points can be made initially. The two final synods in Rome in 2023 and 2024 will need to clarify their teaching on moral matters, as the relator, chief writer and manager, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, has publicly rejected the, basis, the basic teachings of the church on the flesh on the grounds that they contra contradict modern science. In normal times, this would have meant that his continuing as relator was inappropriate, indeed impossible. It, 
the synods have to choose whether they are servants and defenders of the apostolic tradition on faith and morals, or whether they their discernment compels them to assert their sovereignty over Catholic teaching. They must decide whether basic teachings on things like priesthood and morality can be parked in a pluralist limbo, where some choose to redefine sins downwards and most agree to differ respectfully. Outside the synod, discipline is loosening, especially in Northern Europe, where a few bishops have not been rebuked, even after asserting a bishop's right to dissent. A de facto pluralism already exists more widely in some parishes and religious orders on things like blessing James Martin activity. Diocesan bishops are the successors of the apostles, the chief teacher in each diocese and the focus of local unity for their people and of universal unity around the Pope, the successor of Peter. Since the time of St. Irenaeus of Leon, the bishop is also the guarantor of continuing fidelity to Christ's teaching, the apostolic tradition. They are governors and sometimes judges as well as teachers and sacramental celebrants and are not just wallflowers or rubber stamps. Enlarge the tent is alive to the failings of bishops, who sometimes do not listen, have autocratic tendencies, and can be clericalist and individualist. There are signs of hope, of effective leadership and cooperation, but the document opines that pyramid models of authority should be destroyed, and the only genuine authority comes from love and service. Baptismal dignity is to be emphasized, not a ministerial ordination and governance styles should be hierarchical and more circular and participative. The main actors in all Catholic synods and councils and in all Orthodox synods have been the bishops. In general, cooperative way, this should be asserted and put into practice at the continental synods so that pastoral initiatives remain within the limits of sound doctrine. Bishops are not there simply to validate due process and offer a nihil obstat to what they have observed. None of the synod's participants, lay, religious priests, or bishop are well served by the synod ruling that taking tallies is not allowed and propositions cannot be proposed. To pass on only the organizing committee's views to the Holy Father for him to do as he decides is an abuse of synodality, a sidelining of the bishops which is unjustified by scripture or tradition. It is not due process and is liable to manipulation. By an enormous margin, regularly worshiped Catholics everywhere do not endorse the present synod findings. Neither is there much enthusiasm at senior church levels. Continuing meetings of this sort deepen divisions, and a knowing few can exploit the muddle and goodwill. The ex-Anglicans among us are right to identify the deepening confusion, the attack on traditional morals, and the insertion into the dialogue of neo-hammer and circle jargon about exclusion, alienation, identity, marginalization, the voiceless, the James Martin crowd, as well as the displacement of Christian notions of forgiveness, sin, sacrifice, healing, redemption. Why the silence on the afterlife of reward or punishment, on the four last things, death and judgment, heaven and perdition. So far, the synodal way has neglected, indeed downgraded, the transcendent, covered up the centrality of Christ with appeals to the Holy Spirit and encouraged resentment, especially among participants. Working documents are not part of the magisterium. They are one basis for discussion, to be judged by the whole people of God, especially by the bishops, with and under the Pope. This working document needs radical changes. The bishops must realize that there is work to be done in God's name sooner rather than later. By Cardinal George Pell, his final statement to the public. And as you can tell by the contents of that, that is something I would have recorded for you, whether or not he had passed away. That document is... It, is just a shot across the bow against the synod on synodality. Regardless of what they did to him, Cardinal Pell was 
deeply and highly influential. If he spoke, people listened. And not just laity either. His brother bishops, his brother cardinals listened. So this is a good sign. This document here is a good sign. This is a, a warning to the laity because it was published in The Spectator, as well as to other bishops, that this is something to be resisted. Whether it will be, we don't know. The synod on synodality is ongoing. Again, most of the news in the last couple of weeks have been about Benedict XVI and are now about George Pell. But before that, it was the synod on synodality and various individual things coming out of Rome, and we will shortly be returning to that kind of news, I am certain. So the synod is ongoing, and every social issue that the church has stood against is now seems to be up for debate because the laity are being used, are being instrumentalized by some bishops and some priests and some cardinals in the church to let their heterodox views, let them speak as if they speak for the laity. When honestly, most of the laity aren't behind most of this stuff, at least really when you press them. Yes, there are plenty of uh, modernist laity, plenty of them in your typical neighborhood parish, especially in the Latin West, but overwhelm like large numbers of Catholics oppose what they're doing with the synod on synodality once you tell them. Most don't know. Also, most weren't even invited to the synodal listening sessions for the dialogue and discernment and accompaniment and all the other buzzwords they hit us with. Cardinal, Cardinal Pell's words here are worth reading for yourself. I'll have a link to it in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's, again, returntotradition.org. You'll find it. Just look for the today's post. You'll find a link to it there. I'm curious what you thought about this, so let me know in the comments if this is a good way for Cardinal Pell, to, as, his fi as his known final words, to be made to the public. So let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps enormously. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.